0: Welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. My guest today is Laura Nyas. Laura is an assistant economist who has worked at the European Parliament, the European Commission, the Central Bank of Finland, the French Ministry of Defense, and the UN. She has 14 years of field experience, having worked in Latin America in Suriname, the DRC, and Burkina Faso. Laure Welcome, and thank you very much for joining the Sheila Kama Extracted Podcast. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you for having me. Thank you for this opportunity. Fantastic. So I thought, given your experience, that uh, you you could help us shed light on a couple of things. I mean, starting with the importance of commodity trading, why is commodity trading important in the context of energy transition?
1: Well, um, as we are moving away from uh, fossil fuel, ensuring a sustainable access to raw material is vital for the entire world. So the mineral intensity of clean energy transition is interconnected with commodity trading, and it leads uh, to a shift in commodity trading pattern with significant impact for the global economy. As you know, it implies a rising demand for minerals and uh, metals mainly associated from resource-rich developing countries, to meet a growing demand for clean energy technologies to mitigate and adapt to um, climate change. And um, in this context, uh, again, the the global economy decarbonization is at stake and there are high risk of trade tension uh, in this uh, fragmented world. So securing critical minerals has become a hot topic. And there are several initiatives. Um, I will mention one in order to uh, diversify and increase the supply chain resilience. I would mention the Mineral Security uh, Partnership, uh, which has been put in place by the U.S. I can mention a second one, uh, which is also quite interesting, is the fact that the EU uh, concluded a, a several uh, uh, material agreement with um, uh, also switch country and the idea is to secure as I mentioned the uh, the access to raw material
0: mm. so you you've mentioned a lot of very important uh things first you you reference uh trade tension can you explain to us what you mean by that and what you think is the source of this tension
1: well, um we know that the the world uh, demand for uh, green technology has increased and uh, because of this, the, the countries are in a race for critical mineral to fuel their clean energy transition and uh, to support their economic uh, competitiveness and, the, and, and national security. So this is the, the reason why you have this ongoing uh, tension uh, and particularly because there are few countries which are producing those minerals. It's, the, the, the production of this mineral is very concentrated. Um, for instance, in the DR Congo, uh, often there is a reference to cobalt, but they do have other critical minerals. I can mention uh, Zimbabwe for lithium, Indonesia for coal, or China for our earth elements.
0: So that's that's part of the reason. So so am I correct that in assuming that uh, part of the uh, reason for this tension is that uh, the existing, uh, if you wish powers that be in geopolitics are afraid that unless they can uh, secure the supply for critical minerals to transist for to a new industrial order that they might lose, their position of geopolitical strength. Is that part of why countries feel this sense of agency to ensure they can get hold of our critical minerals?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, and- so if we think about that then, Lo, does the demand for more minerals then call for a change in the way that we currently uh, trade mineral commodities or Is the current system sufficient to deal with first demand, tensions, and geopolitics?
1: Well, as as I mentioned, there is um, uh, this growing demand for critical minerals. But at the same time, there there are higher risk of supply chain disruption and concern about tightening of supply of critical minerals. And in this context, price volatility in commodity markets has has a negative impact on achieving carbon neutrality. So uh, the clean energy transition can be slower and more expensive. And in this context, rising demand for critical mineral effectively calls for a change in the way in which minerals are treated and beyond Strengthening the supply chain uh, resilience, uh, market transparency should be increased.
0: And yeah, this is a very important uh, but subtle point because, of course, when we think of uh, transition to clean energy, there are several issues. First, is that there is a healthy supply of the necessary minerals and therefore the component parts to transist. The other is that the supply uh, does not come at too high a cost for us to be able to make our energy transition uh, affordable. The question, uh, Law, is that who adjudicates this? Who ensures that there is this balance? Are the markets sufficiently disciplined to be able to act an arbitrator for this, uh, as you rightly said, potential price volatility?
1: Well, not, not exactly. Um, if we if we look at the uh, critical mineral minerals market, according to the International Energy Agency, the critical mineral markets have doubled over the past uh, five years. And for instance, last uh, year this uh, market were estimated at uh, three hundred twenty billion dollars. But uh, this market remains small, opaque, uh, volatile. And in this market, supply is often inelastic, as opening new mines can be a decade-long process. And another important aspect is also the fact that China is a dominant player on this market, which are underdeveloped and
0: undercapitalized. Sure. So uh, if we stay with the subjects of market. Uh does that suggest then that the structure of the market should change and if so why or why not uh based on first as you said uh you know there's a level of dominance in certain minerals on the part of China uh, right. demand has grown significantly China's appetite is just as huge potentially as its own supply and so, uh, should we be looking at the structure of commodity markets differently or not?
1: Yes, we, we should. We should look at that. And I would say, learning from the nickel crisis on the London Metal Exchange in 2022, it is criti- it's critical to mitigate uh, future shocks in this critical mineral market. And so, definitely, a better regulation is required. For instance, uh, there is a need for greater market integrity and transparency by publishing more detailed information about trading activities and uh, make it easier for traders to access uh, market data. Uh, There is also the possibility to develop alternative trading platform and mechanism to, to reduce the reliance to one single market, such as the London Metal. Exchange and have in mind the uh, what the uh, European Union uh, plan to to do, uh, meaning to create um, a, a central buying agency for critical minerals under the Critical Raw Material Act, and that uh, means that um, there are room for obviously change.
0: Yo. But, of course, the the uh, raw material procurement uh, agency that the EU is contemplating addresses only the EU. It doesn't address the whole world. That is new mm-hmm. securing itself and making sure that it has a clear view of uh, uh, what is needed, what is available in terms of stocks, but also if they have one agency Uh, naturally they have critical mass and then they have influence on, uh, price and those who sell. So this is the, the EU thinking, uh, for the EU about the EU. Uh, but, but how does that help the rest of the world if at all?
1: Well, um, I refer to the EU because they are the one who have been very, um, advanced with, um, going in this direction. But the, I think your question is also who uh, could champion the change. And um, if we if we look at this issue, I would say it, it's all about uh, holding a bargaining power and political will. And um, the G7 uh, could champion this uh, change. Um, in May, uh, on 20, 20th May, uh, 2023. Uh, It issued the Clean Energy Economic Action Plan and among others things, the G7 mentioned that it will work on developing the technical international standard for critical mineral market uh, through the International Organization for Standardization. Standardization. And and I would say, Uh, that that at the end of the day, because the critical mineral in Africa are the backbones of the global clean energy transition, African Union uh, also has a bargaining power. And uh, African Union should be also involved in this uh, reform uh, that the G7 plans to to operate when it comes to critical mineral markets.
0: Mm. So... Um, uh, let me be somewhat controversial and say, you know, it's all very well for uh, the EU and it, the G7 members wanting to be, to bring some order to the commodity market. Uh, and for that matter, um, for critical minutes. But I mean, am I riding? thinking that there's a level of uh, inconsistency here, come hypocrisy. These commodity markets are Western phenomena. They, these are institutions created under the, the pretext of free trade. What then becomes of that concept of free trade that the global north has been promoting for so long? If we now start to create, if you wish, trade hubs that are really intended to distort but distort in a way that is beneficial to one bloc. I mean, you know, am I right? Uh, am I unfairly controversial? No, you're not controversial. I think uh,
1: that, that, that your approach is also correct. But what I refer is what's going to, is likely to happen because, uh, the as I said, it's uh, all about holding a, a bargaining power and also political will. Uh, I would love to see African countries uh, uh, promoting the idea to set up an exchange um, in Africa and and, and to trade uh, commodities uh, in a similar structure such as the uh, London Metal Exchange. I I would definitely appreciate that to happen. But is it feasible? That is uh, one question that... um, I'm. I'm not convinced that. Not. I won't talk about the resources, but although I know, and this is actually your question is very interesting because eighty uh, uh, percent of uh, African countries are commodity dependent, and uh, but they are they are price taker on commodity markets, and that is part of the the way it was built, and it's part also of the history.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it, it is that uh, notion of being a price-taker that I, I find problematic because if we have this uh, uh, single procurement entity created in Europe, all it does is that it regulates the, its own uh, procurement process. What it doesn't do is do anything about the structural issues at source to create the same level of blamefield that this agency would create and to create the same bargaining power that these agents would have for those with offtake agreements from African, Asian, and Latin American minds. But to be fair to the EU, to your point, this is a matter of political will. This is a matter of Africans, Latin Americans, uh, Central Asians, etc., being able to themselves come together and say, we too need to, to uh, come together and create a critical mass to enable us to have a stronger bikini, uh position with those who obtain. of taste. So, so I, I recognize the dilemma, but I, I don't want to shift the blame to the wrong people. But, you know, this question is so important
1: because maybe with this uh, transition to um, global uh, clean energy, uh, we might we might see a shift uh, in terms of power, and uh, uh, the global south, uh, global north, um, in a fragmented world, critical minerals are now the key, or I would say, the hot commodity to to possess. It is an interesting din- uh, dynamic that we are observing.
0: Yeah, well, I can't. I no, I I don't know what. It'll happen, but I watched a news item yesterday in which the King of Saudi Arabia said that he perceived that, and and I, I, I quote him but his single most important war was to shift the economic power structure from Europe to the Gulf. Uh, and 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 as you know, the kingdom recently purchased uh, equity from Vali. My genuine sense is that that was not the last. So it may well be that the graffiti will shift. The question is whether or not it will shift to the south or to the east or, or, or somewhere between Africa and Asia. But, but I think uh, Europe and the G7 are not the only people who recognize that there is a moment of reckoning and that minerals and demand and supply grow is what is going to change the geopolitics of the world and trade. But um, I, I did want to ask you, you know, of course we talk about critical minerals, but I, I, I'm always mindful that we have to be qualify this. You know, minerals aren't critical by nature. Minerals are critical to a specific industrial order at a time and for a specific region. And these minerals are critical to Europe and the US and the global north because of this decision to transist. The question really that always troubles me is: when Africa mines these minerals and supplies Europe, so that Europe can fire up a new industrial order, what becomes of Africa? Are we not just repeating history? Didn't we just fire up Europe's uh, industrial order a century ago? Are we really just going to fire it up again, Law?
1: Well, that is uh, that is uh, it, it's, it's a complex issue. Um, it's a complex issue because, um, basically, are we going to repeat history? This is okay. that we, we had a colonial time. It was at the time, uh, the Kaochu, I guess, Kaochu was very important, um, and now the, the, the um, we had this uh, uh, oil, I would say uh, the oil uh, era, and now we are shifting to the critical mineral era. So it's a very complex uh, question um, to which I think I uh, I will re- be quite reserved.
0: Yeah, the uh, uh, I mean, let's look at it another way. If if we think of timing. You know, um, if that it's fair to say that, uh, as you said, the the energy uh, commission has the, the energy agency has said demand has doubled, and it it now said that there's something like three hundred billion U.S. dollars. Correct. The the World Bank says, uh, in time, we'll see. Demand increased five hundred fold, which you know is is almost unimaginable. But there, there we are. The question is, at what point is it too late for Africa and other countries to board this train? Do you get the sense that uh, there there is an appreciation by African policymakers that? at some point it might be too late to do the sort of things necessary for the continent to not repeat uh history as we said india well uh i, I don't
1: think so i think that the uh, economy the african economies can take advantage of critical mineral commodity boom and that is why it's so important Uh, to put productive capacity at the center of the development uh, strategies. And um, I I strongly believe that African countries can diversify their economy by building productive capacity based on um, knowledge-intensive services and high technologies uh, manufacturing. By doing so, they will evolve from natural resource-based and agricultural economies into medium-high uh, uh, technology manufacturing-based economy in the context of the green uh, transition. And that's why it is important that uh, they, they make the necessary change in terms of uh, policy. What do I mean by that? Improving uh, the business climate. Is, is a must to attract domestic and uh, foreign investment. But this means to uh, address a couple of issues, such as corruption, political instability, and restoring the uh, state authority in, in conflict-affected area. Then there is a lot of countries in Africa now we, where we have observed military coup, um taking place which are actually uh, resource-rich countries. And uh, if we think about the Niger, it's it's uranium. Uranium is very important nowadays. And so um, beyond improving the business climate, there is a need also to develop transport and energy uh, infrastructure, such as um, hydroelectricity. Um, And I have in mind Inga, for instance, why Inga is not yet built. Uh, it's a matter of funding for sure but inga building inga will promote a net zero industry in in the DR congo and not only in the DR congo so all i would say that african economies because of having most of them uh, as i said are resource rich country they have what it takes to uh, start their structural transformation which is actually which is so critical uh for achieving a sustainable development.
0: So you you quite rightly recognize that the the precondition uh for attracting investment among others is uh political and and regulatory stability. And yet we, we you as you also said we've seen a series of coups. And when we look at least uh, in the media and what is on the ground for now, there seems to be jubilance among the citizens. So how do you, how do you and I who know that this instability, this perception of lack of security of tenure and lack of protection of, you know, personal property and rights is going to undermine the ability of those countries to attract investment in mining. How do we explain to them that much as we feel their pain, what they are doing is counterintuitive to their own future. How do we explain this to the people in Burkina now who are happy, to the people in Gabon who are now happy and think that the coup was the right thing? Well, there's so many agendas.
1: That is the that is the, 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 the problem. And uh, why is it there are so many agendas in a way that, um, for those countries, having access to freedom, it is important. It is important at the uh, individual level, so not to mention at the at at national level. But at the, mean, in, 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 but at the same time, it is important also for them to start, start or to continue, or at least to launch um, the development uh, that is so needed for those countries. And as I mentioned, they have all the elements, all the elements for it. Um, but the, the the basic one is political stability. Political stability will bring investment, will bring peace, will bring so many other advantages, uh, not only for the population, but for the, the their economies as well. So... Um, it's not, uh, we are discussing about uh, this um, green transition and there's not so much uh, linkages or reference to the need of political stability um, and restoring the state authority. But I strongly believe that it is important. It is important. African um, African minerals, African minerals, critical minerals are the backbones of the global an energy uh, transition. this is something that uh, global clean energy transition this is an aspect that uh, that should be very
0: should be kept in mind right Let me ask you one last question. So we've talked about Africa we've talked about the EU and its strategy. Now the EU has the advantage that it has a parliament that legislates, uh, laws and processes and institutions that then bind the member states to comply with whatever the EU Parliament and its various commissions uh, resolve Africa doesn't have that uh, how can we reach the same if you wish uh, goals when by and large the African Union Commission is is a political, rather than a legislative body with, uh, you know, legally binding authority. That, um, I would say the
1: country, I mean, the structure that are existing in the EU and in um, African countries are different, but at the end of the day, the need for development is in there, European countries are definitely more advanced, but um, the this transition provide opportunities for African countries to start, as I said, uh, and to to start the structural transformation. And this is this is a, a momentum. This is a very important time, and. Um, why i said that it's so important because the idea is for african countries to participate in the high value um, added segment of the global uh, value chain rather than just being commodity suppliers and um, i have in mind a very interesting um, partnership between the dr congo and zambia to build a made in africa supply chain from the mine to the assembly uh, line due to the rising demand for quickly for electric uh, vehicle batteries, and this partnership is based on um, this exceptional mineral re- reserve of the copper cobalt belt. But the at the end the objective is to uh, develop a net zero industry, um, including minerals uh, uh, smelting capacity and to create jobs and. Um, this is um, this is important because that will help the DR Congo and Zambia to improve their degree of uh, integration into the global value chain and foster their um, export and economic uh, diversification. And this is a rare example that needs to be replicated in Africa wherever it is feasible as. Uh, the development of clean energy technologies, manufacturing is at the heart of green transition, but also sustainable development.
0: Fantastic. Well, let's leave it at that, Lo. Thank you very much once again for joining the Shilakama Extractive Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you
1: again for having me. It was a great uh, experience and I really, really enjoyed uh, this experience.